0: Um, I'd just like to share a testimony that happened in this church on um, New Year's Eve. We'd come together and we'd had a great service. And in the midst of all of that, I had cracked my rib or bruised my rib. And I couldn't function for two or three weeks. But I just kept standing on the word that Jesus is our healer. Everybody's telling me I need to go get it looked at. Well, a broken rib, they're not going to do nothing for or a cracked rib. So we were sitting here with the body on New Year's Eve, and I took communion. And in my own thoughts, I'm like, all right, Kim, either you're all in, or you're not in at all. Either you believe his word is true 100%, or you need to leave. Well, I can't leave. So I chose on New Year's Eve to believe 100% that God's our healer. I took communion instantly my rib was healed. That happened in this house. So God's pouring out his blessings and healings, and we're about to see a lot of healings happen. So praise God for his blood.
1: Amen. That's, that's a great testimony. That's, we, do, we do have to come to that place. And I know I've spent a lot of time praying about how to pray for healings and pray for things, the next thing that the Lord wants to do in our life. And um, we've really got to get to that place where we know, where we know what, even know what He wants to do that we're assured. Everybody around you may know, but you need to know. And that is where you take time to search. And you take it on yourself to... Uh, hear what the Spirit's saying to you. Uh, you can't I mean we often, oh wow, we're so prone to just blame things on everybody around us, aren't we? like um, and the beware of your self- talk and what yourself is talking to you about, what is <laughs> being said up there, okay? It's funny how much gets in and we don't discern, What the voice is, it sounds so true, and we're so familiar with it. But if it's not the Spirit of the Lord, you're locked into something that's not what God's saying. And so no one can fix that for you. You just need to realize, and when you catch things that you're saying to yourself— always stop and take another look so Susan I see you God bless you man <clears throat> we had uh, I had two funerals this week uh, very unusual one Monday night uh, down in Wellsville and then then we had another funeral here Wednesday for what's actually my neighbor Josh Golding uh, Susan's um, son and um, We were just so happy to be able to do that for you in that tragic, um, situation. And, um, yeah, so we're contending for answers. And, um, I, I, I know I went to that funeral feeling, um, like, Lord, I had to battle this, um, sense of failure. Josh just lived down the road. I I knew he struggled with things. I just didn't. I didn't know how to connect with him. I didn't know how to. A few people have. I know Maria got to pray with him, and I think Tom did at one time. There's different, different touches we've had. He's come here occasionally, and you know, all I had as a picture in my mind was this little boy, and um, we've got to. uh, There's more. We've got access and. And we can't get like I'm standing in this doing this service and I was having my own overwhelming sense of you know not fa- not not coming up to the mark and and um it's not enough to just feel bad about it. And I've this is like there's been a couple funerals like this where I'm like, this should not have happened. And um I remember when we would um have our twenty-four hour prayer uh once a month at, at the church and, uh, at the tent. And, um, often there was a sense that, uh, <clears throat> we were so engaged in the spirit. And if something happened on that night, like an accident in the community, uh, I felt like that was our watch, like that shouldn't have taken place. And there are so many freak things like that that happen, especially accidents, like all of a sudden, boom, you know, and it's like, there are angels there are there's the demonic realm there are there are spirits that want to take life that's all they want to do they don't care how they do it but there's also the lord and us and the spirit and the angels that are protect protecting and i'm like when i believe when we're on our watch and when we're on our game things just can't get by should not get by i i just believe that and we've got to when we're praying and when we're having these times we're not just praying for ourselves when we worship we don't just worship for ourselves susan <laughs> so fresh in my mind she's saying i i it was sad to see the tent go away because i could hear your worship down at my house just over the hill and different people in the community for better or for worse, could hear us because you you know it was like a big, uh, you know, a speaker like that tent. It just seemed to reverberate the um, the sound. That we were practicing on Wednesday night or something like that, and but the reality, the spiritual reality, is when we pray and we worship, it extends the boundaries of our influence in a good way. It it extends the safety. It extends what what extends. The realm of heaven when we stand in our place and when we pray. And I'm, I'm reading a book right now, and and this man's talking about, he's like, go into communities, not even talking about churches. He says, your neighborhood, he was calling it, your neighborhood. Go out and have discreet prayer walks and pray for your neighborhood. Pray that there'll be, there's a change. And Nobody even has to know what you're doing, and, but it's, it's very effective. It's powerful. We carry things. Uh, if we're asleep, then we're not on our watch. you know. And it's the, uh, I think it's a big deal in the military if it's your watch and you fall asleep. I think you're in a lot of trouble. Because everybody that's resting is counting on you having your eyes open and watching what's going on. And spiritually, it's not much different. And I want to make sure I'm doing my part, that I'm awake, that I've discerned how to uh, be on guard and hold my weapon, the weapons of our warfare. And uh, that allows heaven to truly, truly um, come in and have, uh, have its way. And oh, how much the Lord wants to have his way. Phyllis and Cheryl are on their way home. They should be headed towards uh, San Diego to get their flight. And um, <clears throat> they were able to do a week, a short week, like so we were really happy that they could get back. They've had a good, a good trip and um, a lot of fun, as you can imagine. Phyllis and Cheryl being together, there's always stuff, you know. Cheryl calls me like, Rick, she did it to me again. She got me to eat, you know, it's like Phyllis, she gets a hold of this 92, 95% cocoa. Like, here, Cheryl, try this. It's good. It's like, have you ever tried to taste chocolate that choke, you know, that's not sweetened? Like, it'll choke a horse, you know? It's like, it's the last time you reach in a cupboard and go, oh, here's some chocolate, you know? My mother always used to have some Hershey's, you know, for baking purposes that unsweetened, and you, you only had to taste that once. You go, oh, no. Oh heck no! We'll leave that. You know, we didn't have. If the Nestle's Quick was out, it's like forget it. You know, drink milk without chocolate. And uh, she's like, she did it to me again. I knew. She goes, go ahead, Cheryl, try it, try it, try it. So she tried it. Whatever. And um, we were laughing. There were a couple things like that. Then they were calling me yesterday morning about the balloon, the Chinese balloon. Joe Biden's supposed response to some journalists and drama. And it's like when you're away from home and you see this stuff and you're disconnected, you're like, is something happening? You know, are the Chinese invading? Da, da, da. I was right in the middle of painting some doors in my garage. I'm like, just give me a minute. I'll get back to you. Like I, I said, Phyllis, that there are too many people, good people watching out for our country, the military, and all the planes, or fail surveillance planes, uh, all kinds of stuff every night, hundreds in flight. I mean, that's documented. Derek Johnson's doing, he always looks, and there are, are uh, there's software that you can identify planes, and what's what, and the call signs on them, and, and all the things, there's a lot of activity going on right now like unprecedented activity all over our airspace and our coastlines and they're watching they're surveilling they're looking for anything that's enemy so a lot of, there is a lot going on and I, and I said to Phyllis I, I said I got back with her of course you don't know what you don't know it's like I said this isn't the way this would happen supposedly he said you know you might as well learn Mandarin the chinese are coming they're gonna you know they've got they've got they can outdo this with us and i'm like phyllis number one that's not how a real president talks if that's true i don't know and uh it's like there are too many people watching we're not going to just have some balloon float over them and not we our guys our good guys not know that it's there what's going or what it's about or who it really belongs i mean Everything about it, you just have to dis- you just have to like double triple check any fact anything that comes like, is this true like but is, is it really true but is it is it really true you know pretty soon we're re- repeating foolish things and uh, a lot of it is probably for that very purpose to distract and to get our eyes off of whatever else and um, I was um, pre- in prepare- pre- preparation for today and what I would share I came. Um, <clears throat> I came around to, uh, I began to read Romans 12 and I'm like, oh man, I gotta, I gotta just read this chapter, uh, this morning at church. It is the voice you'll hear, you hear in it, Paul, as he's writing chapter 12 of, of Romans and I'm reading out of the passion translation. And he says, it, it's, it's truly the voice of a father that's speaking to the church. And it is so comforting and it's so redirecting to all the chaos that's going on in our lives. So I'm just going to f- just kind of freely read and comment, comment and, and call it a day, like not make it more complicated than it is. So Paul begins in chapter 12 and he says, beloved friends, what should be our proper response to God's marvelous mercies? And how true it is, we live in god's mercies so i always refer to the word grace the concept of grace is the it really the main emphasis is is that it's empowering it enables us in john 1 12 you know we have the power to become the sons of god what power grace grace enables us to come to him and to become born of the spirit. Grace is the powers, the enablement. How do you walk in righteousness? By grace. Grace is that power. You can't walk, you can't walk in holiness in the flesh. You can't, you know, can't, it, nothing else works, but grace works. But then there's the concept of mercy. Sometimes we forget how big of an issue this is. And we live in this realm of living in the mercies of God. And what does it mean if you're at someone's mercy? What does that mean? That means they have something on you, right? I, I would say clearly in this room, we can all testify: God has something on me. We've all fallen. We've all fallen short of the of the goodness of God, the grace of God. Like we we know, even knowing better, we've still fallen short, and. And often when we're praying, we're praying for grace. We really should use the word mercy. It's not a big technical issue. However, the concept of mercy is, Lord, have mercy on me. I, here's what I deserve. I know what I deserve. And so you don't even try to defend that. You just come to him and say, could I have mercy? I, I, I'm reaching out for your mercy. I'm pleading for your mercy. And we live in that. We live in the mercies of God. And when you live in that, it's kind of like the word thank you. Do you understand? This is why sometimes our little ones have a hard time embracing the word thank you. Because thank you means you owe somebody something. They've done something, and you're like, you owe them. And sometimes that's a hard thing to get around to, like, hmm, you don't owe me anything. But but when you say thank you, you go, you did something for me that I didn't necessarily deserve. You did something for me that was out of the kindness of your heart. You wouldn't have had to do that. You wouldn't have had to hold the door open for me. You wouldn't have had to give me that gift. You wouldn't have had to pick up something that I dropped and didn't know about. You know, you wouldn't have had to return my phone. You wouldn't have had to return my wallet, you know, that you could have run off with. What do we say? We go, Thank you, Like it's the because it's a, it's a humbling thing. And so in our worship and praise, thank you is a big deal. Because when we do that, we realize I'm standing in God's, I'm here by God's mercies. I'm not here by my own merit. I don't deserve to be here. I don't really deserve the right to pray. I don't deserve to have the access that Hebrews, uh, the book of Hebrews talks about, that we can enter boldly. You don't do that on your own merit. You, yes, you should do that. We need to practice that coming in boldly, but you don't, come, you don't come on your own merit. You don't come because you're passionate. You don't come because you know how to pray well. You come because you're in in his mercies, and he invites you in and says, come anyways and come in the blood, come under the blood, come covered by that, come covered by what you have. So we live in the mercies of God, the marvelous mercies of God, and he goes on to say, I encourage you to surrender yourselves to God to be his sacred living sacrifices. So this surrendering is tricky business for Christians, we do it in the emotion of the moment. We do it when we're in trouble. We surrender our lives. We do it at different points in our life. We understand what it is to surrender our life to Jesus, right? You're like, you're wicked, wretched, and you ask Jesus into your heart. You, and you're like, you have all my life, right? We say all and those good things. Hey, Micaiah, welcome to the party. Are you my... Are you my mother? Yeah, 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 it's, yeah, the the real question is who's lost, yeah, that's, (sighs) who's, who's in control and who's not? That's the real question. That's what I I like to watch and observe and like, who's really in charge here, you know? Yeah, who's, who's, who's got somebody else doing circus tricks? Mm hmm. Yep, 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 yep. So I love our kids. I love our babies. And like, uh, like Hala quoted recently, the church would be ugly without babies. Did she say that? She did. Oh. Yeah, I, have, I had Maria send me the actual quote. And uh, she goes, the Church, it would be ugly without the babies. Oh. Well, it's so true. And um, when I heard that she said that, I went, that's actually a truth. She doesn't, again, out of the mouth of infants and babes. And I've been in leaders' meetings, and leaders are talking about losing their young people and that their church has the death rattle. When you lose that and you lose the messy, distracting babies and toddlers, and ones that run around—like um, I was laughing—we did our had our worship practice this morning, and uh, you know when uh, you see when the military when they're tr- they're training for like rifle shooting and whatever, and they've got to really concentrate. You know, to help to help enhance their training, someone will be distracting and play with their ears or do something so that they stay focused. Because there's always a distraction. You notice that when you you go to concentrate on something, there's always a distraction. If you're really good, you can stay focused through the distraction. You actually have to learn to do that. Thus, the Chinese balloon, you know. Stay focused. Whatever it is, just stay focused. It's not the point. And, and a lot of things in our life, and so I'm watching, and boy, the boys, which I, I probably should stop this, but I, I don't because I love our children running and playing and whatever. And laws um, are not putting people in danger that are in wheelchairs and can't walk. That, that I try to watch out for. And um, they're running around here, and it was like kind of like joyful chaos. Or Harvey will be running around the chairs, and he gets going during our worship practice. And I don't know, there's something about it I always feel. Like the the circular motion, I always feel that that is directly linked to what's going on in heaven. Like heaven isn't cathedral-type stoic worship. Heaven is loud, probably almost obnoxious sometimes, lightning, thunder. Like, you know, it's like a rock show that we were like, can I have earplugs here, you know? It's like, it's not controlled, And you know, it's like, it's... Wow, it's off the charts. And I, I, I always, I know this. I know that I know this. There's motion in heaven, there's circular movement, there's movement there. And when they do that, I, I feel that. And I'm like, us, oh, good for the team, stay focused, you know. All that. I love our babies, I love the children. So if they interrupt me once in a while, I just go, oh, aren't they cute? The worst is when our mothers decorate their children in these outfits. So like, really, like, who can pay attention to what's going on when this little girl walks in, like, with bonnets and dresses? And it's like, yeah. We need to continually renew this surrendering. And the reason we need to continually renew it is because there's no got you, there's no handcuffs that go on. There's no leash and collar that goes on when you surrender your life to Jesus, right? That's, a, that's important. You come in, you give it your all, and heaven never grasps, claps you until you become a prisoner of love like Paul was, and that's a whole other problem, whatever. What can you do for that? I can't quit doing this because I'm a bond servant. I've, I, can't, I can't quit doing this, even though my life's in danger and I, I can't quit. I'm I'm hooked to this still out of their will and if you have a if you have a dog that you say my dog's trained he never leaves the yard he's perfect like he's whatever and uh, I'm like yeah what happens when you take that chain off of him that's hooked to the box is he perfect then you know does he stay home then it's like you can't call yourself free if someone's got a log chain hooked to you and you're hooked to the box, you're hooked to the dog box, hooked to the house, right? It's like this whole walk is based on freedom. And, and until you can walk in freedom, you can't claim to be free. And that freedom is no chains, no, no bond, binding. And sometimes we're like, God, make me do you know this. It's like, I know it doesn't work that way. I'm sorry. You've got to come and you've got to stay in your own free volition. And so when we discern that we're getting off track, when we discern our heart is moved off the object of affection, which is Jesus, then we need to self-adjust and go, I need to surrender again. I'm getting off to this direction. And it's actually very natural. It's very easy. We're alive in the planet. There are things that come and go, things we love, things we lose, things we gain. And and you just have to steward all of that. You've got to keep even your loved ones in the right place. They must, Jesus must be first. Jesus must be before your wife, before your husband, before your children, before your grandchildren. It's got to be first. It's got to be in that position. And as soon as as soon as the places get traded, then you need to, you'll, you'll know, you'll know something's wrong. You know you love something more than him. And so we continually surrender ourselves, like this passage says. And then he goes on to say we're living sacrifices and we live in holiness, experience all, the, all that delights his heart, for this becomes your genuine expression of worship. Remember a while back, and I've referred to this once or twice already, Phyllis asked the question, like she really asked a question and let people answer, what is righteousness to you? What's holiness? What's righteousness to you? Like, how do you define it? And isn't it tough if you've been a Christian for any length of time, holiness is rules. It's how you dress, it's how you talk, it's how you this, how you that, like we have, here's what it looks like when we have this, this picture of this is holiness, and here, holiness is described as anything you do when you can feel his pleasure. Like you do this and you feel it gives God pleasure. The uh, athlete from way back, uh, Eric Little, that became an Olympian uh, runner, and, and his motto became very famous. And his motto was, uh, he what he would say was that he's, quoted known for is that when I run I feel his pleasure he was a he was a Christian devoted Christian when I run I feel his pleasure at the time that was almost sacrilegious like to say that now we're like yeah we get it you know it's more common to understand this but that is what holiness should be like doing things you're walking in holiness when you're walking in a way that you feel God's pleasure in what you do And interestingly enough, we're going to move into these grace gifts that are on us. And in your grace gift, if you're in your gift, you'll feel this pleasure from the Lord when you're in that, when you're functioning in it. Verse 2, stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. So number one... Awaken to the fact that your culture has influenced you greatly. For some reason, this subject's coming up a lot lately and people are going, oh my gosh, I can't believe what I believed, what I was told, and how much we are affected by it. We're affected by our TVs. We're affected by commercials. Commercials are, uh, the little bit that I see them, they're not just advertisements for products or for services. There's an agenda there, and they're, they're pushing their agenda. And you don't see it till you literally get away from it. And then you go, oh, my gosh. That's, it's just all over the place. They're pushing us. They're, they're, they're pushing you to believe this, to feel this. And the scripture all along has been saying, be separate from that. Discern what is the culture that is bad and discern what is good and discern the kingdom culture. So beware, be careful that you're letting that influence you. And, and it's, it is, it's tricky. It's tr- they're good. They're good at it. It's just a call to be careful, be careful. Don't let them form, let the scriptures form you and your, your values and, and the culture you live in. But be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. So it matters how we think. Our minds need renewed. Again, it is, it, that is why it's so important to read your Bible. Try to k- keep it in front of you. Easy to get it set aside and not be reading it. It transforms you. It changes you just by simply reading just by staying connected so that it affects you, that it calls you back to center. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in His eyes. So the call is to live in the way, a way that you know the Lord, this, it pleases the Lord, what you're doing. And, and it's not just what we refer to as church things. I've I've always actually I've needed it as as I've I was always called to the ministry but I've always needed to have my hands on other things it's just part of my, who I am if you just put me in a church office and a pastor study and put aside I would probably shrivel up and die I, I can't function in that in that that thing and and often when I'm building and creating and doing things I can, I feel the Lord's pleasure in it. It's creative. It's like, it's, it's part of who I am. We all have those things. What would it look like if we were truly free to look for, identify those things? I believe that out of that, the Lord will supply your needs, take care of you, connect you with people. And, and when, when I'm in that things, good things happen. I get to, I engage with people. I normally wouldn't like it's, it's, it's something that because I feel alive in it and I found this thing. And so I do it for that purpose. That's living in holiness. Finding that place, that thing. You go, wow, this is what I was born for. Like this, I feel the Lord's pleasure in this. Your proper role in the body of Christ, God has given me grace to speak a warning about pride. I I would ask each of you to be emptied of self-promotion and not create a false image of your importance. Instead, honestly assess your worth by using your God-given faith as the standard of measurement, and then you will see your true value with an appropriate self-esteem. Pride creeps in. pretty soon you're offended by all kinds of things and you're struggling for identity and you're not secure in who you are and what you're supposed to be and it makes a mess of relationships when this comes in and you're not living in this humility and i often feel called back to this it's kind of it it is it's very liberating to realize you don't have to have all the answers and you don't have to have your way all the time. Things don't have to look exactly like you think they should look. And that you you learn to give. When you do this before the Lord, you can do it. When you have that orphan mentality that you've got to control everything and everyone around you, it, it only brings disaster. It, it never works out for people. It's, it's always bad in, in the long run. But to come to a place where you embrace humility the uh old school you know saints that have gone before us they would use the word a lot um mortification which we don't use much in our you know our circles but what they were talking about what that always referred to is dying to the flesh it's kind of important because you stay alive to your flesh and you serve your flesh Let's just be clear, it's not the same as being led by the spirit. Even though you might like to think it is. <laughs> not everything that you feel great about, you have to discern, is this a spirit or is this just me 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 being happy about something that feels good to me. And no one can figure that out for you. You you have to figure that out for yourself. So there's this thing of choosing again you have to choose this to die to your flesh and yourself you want your marriage to improve erratically right now make a choice to die to yourself and these in the things that you're just being self-centered about and you have to discern that I can't I can't give you the list I can't tell you what is what isn't but you you know you know when you're just being stubborn about something when you're just being self-centered about something Empty yourself of self-promotion. Don't create a false image of importance. Instead, honestly access your worth by using your God-given faith as a standard of measurement, and then you will see your true value with an appropriate self-esteem. We do have to have a good self-esteem, but it needs to be born of the Spirit. In the human body, there are many parts and organs, each with a unique function. True. And so it is, in the body of Christ. For though we are many, we've all been mingled into one body in Christ. This means that we are all vitally joined to one another with each contributing to the others. We're a body. And uh, we did, I, I just was so proud of everybody that worked with us on this funeral uh, this Wednesday. Uh, and the neat Thing. The neat thing—the picture was watching the group of people that that served and put this together, um, just working together. And it was neat because we were a body functioning, doing everybody doing their part, and it ministers to people, big time. It matters. God's marvelous grace imparts to each one of us varying gifts and ministries that are uniquely ours. So. If God has given you the grace gift of prophecy, you must activate your gift by using the proportion of faith you have to prophesy. So if you have that grace gift, and I love to see everyone prophesy and give words, but there are people that just really flow in it. People that, I mean, that always will show up. That'll always be true. And, you can, it's every time you just speak something into a person's life or into a situation, that is what the heart of God is for that situation. And uh, Kurt sent a, a group of us on the worship team a, a, a declaration this morning. There's just going to be a great day, like in our worship and et cetera. And that was, a, it's, it's that thing. It's that prophesying. It's releasing a word of what you what, what sense God is saying. And if you give things that are scripture, you're like 100% guaranteed not to be wrong. It's true. So you you give good things, you speak things, you declare things, it matters. It encourages, it edifies. Be faithful with these gifts that you have. Verse 7, if your grace gift is serving, then thrive in serving others well. Like, do it. And do it, and and here would be back to my reference of Eric Little. When he ran, he felt the Lord's pleasure. When you find your gifting and your grace gift, you'll feel God's pleasure in it. When you find that, do it. Do it with all of your heart. Don't allow yourself to be manipulated or controlled in it. Do it according, this, this is, who's Lord? Jesus is Lord. Do it according to how he leads you and what he puts on your heart. If you have the grace gift of teaching, then be actively teaching and training others. If you truly have the gift of teaching, then your gift will make, and this goes back to the Proverbs your gift will make a place for you. And if it's the audience of one, it doesn't matter. If it's the audience of two, just be faithful with it, develop it, and watch it grow and watch the increase come. Don't, here's what we do with these we go, yeah, this is my gift, this is my thing, but no one comes. No one, there's no one to do. There's no one to serve. There's no one appreciates it. And there's, there's these excuses that we start with. And um, just resist that. Like if something is from the Lord for you, then identify it and do it. Hell or high water, people coming or not coming, just be faithful with it. God will give increase to it. If you have the grace gift of encouragement, then use it often to encourage others. And I'll watch different people in our body. They're just, they're just so good at that, this, speaking things and speaking words of encouragement. When it comes out of the Spirit, that's a very powerful tool. Often, you can accomplish more than me standing up front, preaching, teaching what I do. Like, it's just as important. That's all I want to say. And when you get to say that one-on-one to people and encourage them and have a word that's not flattery, see, out of this gift, it's really different. It feels different. You can feel touched by an angel when someone is in the, in, functioning in that and they encourage you or they say this, this encouraging word to you. It just it makes you come alive. You walk away with it. That's what we're talking about here. We're talking about things that affect people. If you have the grace gift of giving to meet the needs of others, then may you prosper in your generosity without any fanfare. Just do it without accolade, without nobody needs to know. Like, just do it freely. And again, very powerful when someone just discreetly gives. Giving can be a funny thing. It can be received awkwardly like so if you have this grace of giving there's a, you found a way to give that doesn't cause people to feel indebted to you. If the indebtedness shows up then something's wrong with your giving. Something's not right one way or the other. But a true gift of giving and a grace gift of giving it's very effective, very powerful. If you have the gift of leadership, be passionate about your leadership. And if you have the gift of showing compassion, then flourish in your cheerful display of compassion. And so again, when someone comes with just caring, you're at the grocery store, you're in the parking lot, you're wherever. And this, this gift of pa- compassion, there, it's, just, it's just this touch that makes people feel loved. That's huge. It's some, in some way, it has this effect of of feeling. People feel the love. They feel loved from you. Extremely important and radically missing from our culture. Let the inner movement of your heart always be to love one another and never play the role of an actor wearing a mask. Don't be fake. Despise evil, embrace everything that is good and virtuous. Be devoted to tenderly loving your fellow believers as members of one family. Try to outdo yourselves in respect and honor to one another. What a difference in a place, in a church, in an organization, in whatever. Your workplace, you can, you can practice this there. You go, you don't know where I work. <laughs> I was like, well, take a chance and be different. Because there's there's always this uh, dissension and speaking badly and finding fault with people. And what a difference it makes if it may even, like, cause people to take be taken back by how you comment about something. But when, I mean, we all know, you don't have to go far to hear criticism, complaint, and pointing of the finger. How, how neat. I always, I mean, if nothing else, defer to this. It's like... Yeah, I've done that. Do you understand how diffusing it is if someone tells you something bad about someone? You can't always say this; not always appropriate. But you know, often you go, "Yeah, I've done that." It just kind of
2: <sighs>
1: all comes down. I'll say this to my you know, our young women that are upset with their husband. I'm like, "Well, actually, yeah, I've done that." Like. I'm glad you didn't know me when I was, you know, so many years ago. It's a good thing because, wow, I had some bad things, you know, how I acted, my personality, how I would respond to things. Like, I'm doing way much better than I was. Like, and so when you, there are ways to diffuse that thing, that complaining, where there's honor and you honor people, even people that are struggling or not doing well a job that's acting, a, a, a boss that's acting badly, don't know the stress they're under. You, you don't know the whole story. And it's stressful to be in leadership. It's stressful to be the boss. It's, it's hard. And you need him to do well in his position because you, if you're working there, it matters to you. Find ways to bring honor and respect. Be enthusiastic to serve the Lord, keeping your passion toward him boiling hot. Keep it, keep your passion passionate. In our our worship, in our praise, in our gathering, like, thank you, Pam, running us through that exercise. Like, it's, we we do, we need, we're often like, but I don't feel like doing that. And when we get pushed out of our comfort place and there is a release, um, did anybody else here... Robin Bullock this week on Elijah's Streams. It's still there, still posted. And uh, he's declaring a revolution that is coming, a Jesus revolution that is unlike anything that has hit the planet so far. He said, really, what we need to be doing is preparing for this coming. Now, I'm hearing this from a lot of different people. You can use the word revival, you can... Re- you can use different words for it and here's what robin said in a nutshell he said the people the lord's going to use not necessarily the people that you think he should use they may not look like you talk like you have their they could be rough and i I see that in some of the patriots like many of them that i follow and listen to those citizen journalists they're they're christians they're rough around the edges but if they weren't, they become that. Some of the doctors and different people that have been in this fight in this last four, five years, six years, like often they, they've come to know Jesus like there is a real transition uh, and they're fighting a fight. They're fighting the good fight. So we need to be Keep our passion radiating. Don't, like, don't allow your love to grow cold. And the Holy Spirit, like, and he uses this word, with the glow of the Holy Spirit, and let him fill you with excitement as you serve him. So if what you're doing, you're doing good, and you dread it, or you're begrudging it, then you need to do a heart check, like pull up for a moment, and decide why you're doing what you're doing. Whether it's going to work, coming to church, or whatever other thing you're engaged in. It's not legal. It's not okay to be doing a good thing with a bad attitude. You hear me? Like, and we all can get caught up in that. Like, do it for the right reasons. And if you're not doing it with a good heart and a good attitude... Honestly, I encourage you, stop. You may look bad for a moment, it's like, but find out what's going on in your heart so that you need to do good things for good reasons and not begrudgingly. As people, again, people feel that. Earlier, this admonition, don't wear a mask, don't be fake. So he goes on to say, let this hope burst forth within you, releasing a continual joy, don't give up in a time of trouble, but commune with God at all times. I was thinking this so emphatically today. As we, were, I'm going to stop there. As we were singing, wait on you. And it's, we're often asking that question, aren't we? What do I do next? What do I do here? Do I do this? Do I do that? Do I come here? Do I go there? And this, this answer probably would infuriate you if the wrong person said it to you. Well, wait on the Lord. You know, I have been. It's like, really? How long? How long have you been waiting? Like, have you, have you suffered? Have you shed blood in waiting on the Lord? Like, Paul said that to some of the believers. Like, it's like, oh, you, you're having trials, but you, yeah, you haven't even shed blood yet. Like, wait wait till that comes. Wait till you're so persecuted about doing what's right that it costs you your property. You lose your house. I don't, we don't even know where to put that, do we? I don't. Like, oh my gosh. But that was the devotion that the early Christians had, the believers that are in the Bible. Like they were joyful and they were suffering. In some of those instances, they were suffering the loss of things that were dear and precious to them. And so when you wait on the Lord, like it is an activity. It's a big activity to set your eyes on the promise and what you hope for and stay steadfast on it and then wait for the Lord to bring that to pass. Wait for the Lord to bring that. And and in the midst of that waiting, if you get direction to do something, you do it. You obey. But you're not just checked out, watching television, overeating, like don't do that. Stay engaged. Stay on the on the point of what you need to see fulfilled in your life. It's a good thing, and wait on the Lord, and that waiting is an activity. Psalms 27 talks about waiting on the Lord, and, and the definition of the word Brian Simmons talks about, it's about entang- being entangled with the Lord, like being wrapped around. Your waiting needs to look like you hanging on to Jesus' leg. It needs it needs to be you disappearing in his robe like you're just you're you're hanging on to him. You're you're one with him and you may be without the promise at the moment, but you have you have latched on to him. You're entangling him yourself in him in praise and worship and thankful and gratitude. Is so huge, like just gratitude. Just gratitude is very popular. It's, it's, it's so positive. It's so powerful. I just heard somebody else saying, what, what are the important things in your life? Gratitude. Just choosing gratitude on a regular basis. Oh, my gosh. It, it just opens things up. Opens doors. Let's pray today. Father, I just thank you for your word, your promises. You are faithful. You've been so good to us. Called us, you've chosen us. We stand here today in your mercies. We walk by your grace. We've come to know you by grace. You're empowering us to be a different people. You're empowering us to be disciples to follow after you. And I just thank you for all of your goodness. Ask today is. Phyllis and Cheryl travel, that you'll bring them home safely. We we'll continue to lift up every person that is sick today, struggling with things, that you will come. You are our, our first call Jesus, help me. Jesus, heal me. Jesus, make this right. Jesus, restore me. just thank you in Jesus' name for all that you've done. Amen. Amen. Amen, everyone. Have a good week.
2: What better lyric to hear as you're going into communion than than to hear, I will meet you here. I told Pam I've been on this kick about unity with communion and, and it would just tie in so perfectly with her demonstration of holding hands this morning. But I think the Lord wants to speak to you each individually this morning. And it was just confirmed when I just heard that. I will meet you here. When you take communion, usually I say us and we, and you need to proclaim who Jesus is this morning. Each of you, when you take communion, you need to acknowledge your sins. You need to understand that Jesus wants you whole. The table is prepared for you. It's prepared for each one of you this morning. And it's prepared for for deliverance, it's prepared for confession, it's prepared for healing, which you're ready to receive this morning. When we think of of Christ and and the stripes that he received, we often think of our physical healing. But remember, he's, he's here for broken hearts and spirits. He's here for a sound mind. If you're in darkness, he's here to bring you light. If you're in addiction, he's here to bring you freedom. I will meet you here if you're ready. 1 Corinthians 11:26 it says when we take the bread and when we take the cup we acknowledge his death until he comes and i always thought it was so strange acknowledging his death i can acknowledge his resurrection it just it just proclaiming his death seems so foreign but all it is is remembering what he's done for you and proclaiming that and what he continues to do in your life so when you take communion You proclaim that healing. You proclaim that life. You proclaim that deliverance. So come to the table this morning. We take communion for the healing of knees and hips and backs. Amen. We take communion this morning for the healing of cancer. Amen. We take communion for the light of of those who are in darkness, amen. For those who are uh, in addiction, we take communion this morning for freedom, amen. So come to the table for communion. It's prepared for each of you.